G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. It's great to have you with us. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is given by the Reverend Ken Hansen, and it focuses on Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. And it's the first part of our six-part series called Follow the Saviour, concentrating on the Gospel of Mark. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins, and they were baptised by him in the River Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was a message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the, in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open by the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the and angels attended him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I just turn that down a little bit, Meg, because my voice is echoing back here. <laughs> well, isn't it great to be in church this morning and to welcome and give thanks and praise to God for the rain. Uh, Some people have got immense amounts of rain. Poor Anne over here got a little, but we have promised that there's more to come. Jesus chose 12 disciples. Can you remember who they were? Oh, of course you can. But I'll just remind you anyway. There was Simon, who's uh, Jesus called Peter. There was Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, the doubter, James, 
the son of Alphaeus, Philip, uh, who else was there? There was, uh, yeah, there was Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the eagle, eager one, uh, and Judas Iscariot. You, you all knew Judas Iscariot, didn't you? <laughs> so that's right, isn't it? That's the 12? Well, that's what it says in the, the, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 3, 13. You can look it up later. <laughs> then uh, where does Mark and Luke fit into all this? They're not mentioned in the 12 Jesus had chosen. So who are they? There are some differing theories about Luke's gospel, but I'll stick to the biblical version. It says that Luke was a companion of Paul, a companion of Paul's, and Paul called him the beloved physician or doctor. That's in Colossians 4, chapter, uh, verse 14. It appears that Luke hailed from Antioch, which, we may be, which may be the reason why Antioch seems to be the centre of the book of Acts. Luke is the only writer in the New Testament who isn't an Israelite. That means he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. Not only did Luke write the gospel that bears his name, but he was also privileged and inspired by God to write the book of Acts. But today, our concentration is on Mark. Mark is the person whom we are interested in. So who is Mark? And we know, uh, like Luke, he wasn't one of the original twelve, nor was he referred to as an apostle. So who can Mark be? In the book of Acts we learn that Mark was an important young leader of the early church and partly responsible for the spread of Christianity, especially to the Christians in Rome and some other places that he visited. Mark's Gospel is the first and shortest of the four Gospels and was transcribed and written for the Gentile believers. Mark was kept busy transcribing Arabic into Latin. In Colossians 4, verses 10 to 11, you can check all these out later, in these verses... It indicates that Mark was a cousin to Barnabas, also a companion or a student of Paul's teaching. It is also widely believed that Mark depended on the Apostle Peter for much of his eyewitness material, which Mark included in his account of Jesus' life and ministry. It is also presumed that Mark's Gospel was written during the decade that's 10 years, preceding the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 CE. 
Now that's strange, isn't it? What does CE stand for? Common Era. Somebody's smart up that way. Common or Christian Era. Like AD stands for Anno Denominan, which refers to the year of the Lord. Now, most scholars agree that 90% of the content of Mark's Gospel is used in Matthew's Gospel, and more than 50% is used in Luke's Gospel bears a strong resemblance to each other. And for that reason, they, Matthew, Mark and Luke, are referred to as the Synoptic Gospels. It is said that Mark was born in Serene, a city in the Pentapolis, Pentapo, Pentapolis, Pentapolis, good on you, Anne. <laughs> of north of Africa and died in Alexandria around 68 AD and he died at the hands of pagans who tied a rope around his neck and dragged him through the streets of Alexandria until he was dead. Mark quotes from the prophet Isaiah 40 verses 2 and 3 to show that John the Baptist and Jesus were foretold long before they arrived on the scene in Israel. The last book of the Old Testament Bible of the prophet Malachi was written 400 years before John and Jesus and also speaks of a messenger and his Lord. That's in Malachi 3 verses 1. Well, that's just a little story on Mark. There's so much more to be told about that, but I think it's time to move on and look at the content of the Gospel itself. And today we're looking at Mark 1, verses 1 to 13. In the first chapter of Mark, we see that Mark jumps straight into the story of Jesus, full throttle. There's no genealogy, there's no nativity, no beginning of creation. Mark begins with, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark goes on to introduce John the Baptist in such a way that it clearly shows he believes that John is the messenger referred to in the book of Isaiah 40. This was very exciting for Mark and was an indication that God was about to send his Messiah, his Saviour, in the person of his only son, Jesus. John was baptising and preaching and his message was strong and demanding of the people, so demanding that it needed a response. John called on the Jewish people to repent of their sins and turn back to God so that their sins could be forgiven. That's in Mark verses 4 to 6. And then we read that all the people responded, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to hear him and to be baptised. 
John proclaimed his message to them as he says, After me will come one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. That's in verses 7 to 8. John was preparing the way for someone else of far greater importance. Elsewhere he spoke of Jesus and how Jesus must increase and he, John, must decrease. So now we come to the central figure of Christianity, the one whom John was pointing to, the good news which Mark wrote about and was so excited about. Who was he? Jesus, of course he was. Jesus was his name and Christ was his title. He was the Christ, the promised Messiah who would save the people from their sins. Jesus came fulfilling the ancient prophecy of Isaiah. He is the Lord of whom Isaiah spoke. John the Baptist spoke of the power which Jesus possessed and of the status being far greater above that of John's. In verses 12 and 13 of Mark, we read that God's Spirit made Jesus go straight away out into the desert to be tested by Satan. These two verses contain Mark's account of the temptations of Jesus. Interestingly enough, Mark does not describe the th three separate acts which are given by, Mark, uh, with, by Matthew and Luke in their Gospels, that is, turning stones into bread, being given all the kingdoms of the world if he would bow down and worship Satan, or throwing himself off a high tower and not getting hurt. but I'd like to think of them as if compared to our wilderness journeys. How do we respond to the many temptations that are offered to us in this world? This is a good question for us to ponder on. David will be back next week and he may be willing to add a bit more to these thoughts. And I'll leave that in his capable hands. As we have just finished celebrating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in our Christian celebration, let us also be encouraged to continue to tell our younger generation as we remember the purpose for which Jesus came into the world. Jesus came to bring people back to God through true repentance and faith in his teachings and by offering himself as a human sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. This was the greatest payment one could make for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. 
people of John's day responded to his call. How are we responding to Jesus' call? I'll leave that in your hands. The Lord be with you. Amen. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, I've been granted permission to do a blessing for the new year. And first of all, I will say a, a little prayer and then I'll come down here and if anybody wants to come up for a blessing for the new year, you may do so. Lord, let this year be filled with the things that are truly good for us, with the comfort of warmth in our relationships with each other, with the strength to help those who are in need, and the humility and openness to accept help from others. As we make our resolution for the year ahead, let us also go forward with great hope and faith, knowing that with you, Lord, all things are possible.